Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forks Down Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark and with me as always, season ticket holder for the Seattle Mariners, Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing tonight? You know, I am doing, I'm doing rather well. Um, let's talk about some positive things. The weather in the Pacific Northwest is beyond amazing. And I don't know if you listened to the game there tonight, but I listened to the game on Wednesday, but, um, they talked about the weather a lot because it's really nice. <laughs> and there's some nice things going on with the weather in uh, the Pacific Northwest. So let's, <laughs> let's talk about that to start with. You know what? The weather is kind of nice. I feel like we're always talking about the weather, you know, I, I'm hoping that, you know, the broadcast doesn't talk about the weather much, but they did. They also talked about what what uh, Dave Sims and Rick Riz were doing on their days off. Did you catch that? Oh. I didn't. I didn't catch oh, that. No, no. You, that what, was what? on the radio. You were probably watching. Oh, the, OK. You were probably watching the ball game. Yeah. No, that was on the radio. And uh, yeah, they were talking about what they were doing on their days off. I think, uh, was it Rick Riz said he was going to go out with his son jet skiing and, uh, Dave Sims was going to go play nine holes, you know, both positives for him at their, you know, very big positives, very especially big. for them. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. uh good news for them. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get into what was probably one of the worst series of the season. Thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the forks down podcast. You know, Mariners aren't winning a lot and, and you know, it, we're, it's hard not to be down, but you guys keep returning and we very much appreciate you for that. Um, you know, if you're a first time listener, thanks for choosing us. You're catching us at a very, uh, weird time for Mariners baseball, but Hey, hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk, positive or negative. So if you haven't already go hit, our Facebook and social our other social media pages up. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Just search Forks Down Podcast. We're there. You know, you can send us messages. Our inboxes are already always open. Send us messages. Send us questions you want us to ask on air. You know, use it as like a uh, mailbag as most uh, most famous journalists have. Or there's some big journalists that I follow that have mailbags. Use those as our mailbags. You can ask us questions. Um, if you haven't already, also, um, you know, hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app. Um, that could be Spotify. That could be Google Podcasts. That could be Apple Music. That could be Stitcher, although I think Stitcher's going away. But we're on a lot of them. You know, hit like and subscribe. You'll get notified when new episodes drop. Maybe even give us five stars if you like what we're doing. Um, you know, it's not for our egos, but it helps get us up the charts a little bit so we can get some more visibility. You know, we like when we type in Mariners on Spotify, you know, our name's usually about fourth or fifth on that list. You know, we just want to get more visibility. So with all that being said, Bo, let's get into Mariners notes today. And uh, we, we we got a few um, over the last couple days that are really, really interesting. Um, I, let's start with the kind of bad one. Penn Murphy um, came off the disabled list a few weeks ago. Pitched a couple innings. You could tell something was wrong. It was announced yesterday that he is going to undergo UCL surgery. He's out for the season. He's possibly out until probably the middle of next year at this point. That's a that's a 9-12 to 12 month injury that uh, uh, it takes a long time to recover. 
you know, we're Robbie Ray had that kind of at the start of the season and he, uh, he's looking to miss the first year next year. So not a good look for Penn Murphy. Uh, not a good look. And, um, yeah, you wonder if maybe he was rushed back a little bit too fast, um, or he didn't, you know, maybe let up as much as, um, was intended there with his arm. Cause it just seems like he came back relatively fast. And then like the first game out, right. He was, he was done. So, um, that sucks. I think Penn Murphy pitched the most innings for the, I think relief innings in 2022, right? Like Penn Murphy's one of our firemen, right? Like, uh, just, you know, a guy, we need a guy to go to in a middle relief situation or even in some high leverage situations. Penn Murphy was kind of a guy for that. So, um, yeah, they're just uh, a blow to the bullpen, but I would say the bullpen, there's one area where I think the Mariners do relatively well in it's kind of finding bullpen arms. So, um, sucks to see him go for a little bit. Um, and then I think the other one, I didn't put this in there, but we also saw that, um, I believe it was Taylor Dollard is also going to be out for, um, the rest of this year as well. So, um, couple arm injuries. Um, you know, Taylor dollar was somebody that's probably going to get a chance at some point, um, mm-hmm. this year, I would assume, but doesn't appear to be that way. So, um, yeah, that pitching help that, that pitching help that we really relied upon in 2022, um, seems to have kind of broken a little bit here in 2023. So just sucks. One of our first, I would say 10, 15 episodes was what if it all goes wrong? And, uh, we're, we're kind of experiencing that, but one of the things that you had mentioned, during that episode was, you know, we had a lot of good luck on the pitching side last year. You know, a lot of our guys, very minimal injuries. We didn't see as many UCL surgeries, stuff like that. And this year we're kind of getting hit with the bug. Um, I would like to believe that you probably jinxed that. I, I it's, it sucks to say, but you, you brought it up and you kind of spoke it into existence. There were a lot of people that were speaking into existence there, guy. So you just, you just, you just slow your roll. You just slow your roll. No, I, uh, I mean, probably, yeah, probably spoke into existence, but, um, Robbie Ray was also trying to throw a little harder. Just going to throw that out there in spring training. So there's, there's that note, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to quantify these things. I hope that we're going to have like, there should be a good study in a couple of years of like the effects of all this. And yes, was it maybe the pitch clock? Who knows? Right. Like, but uh, yeah, I kind of think it was just the Mariners time for, for some of that health to kind of come around for him, unfortunately. So um, just the way things go. Yeah. Yeah. So I, sorry, I, I, maybe I shouldn't put the blame on you. He was trying to throw a little bit harder and, uh, but it just sucks, man. It sucks. The what. The one good positive thing that happened for the bullpen is Trevor Grott came off the DL. He was activated, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, at least we got his arm back and actually there wasn't a slot open. So uh, your, your wish, Chris Flexen, you know, we've been on Chris Flexen watch for, uh, I don't know how many weeks at this point, at least a month. And he uh, finally got DFA'd. Uh, he's probably finished in a, you know, at least the Mariners major league uniform. Yep, it was uh it probably finished. I think there is an option. Um I think there is a he can he can accept to go to Tacoma, I believe. Um I think the Mariners just have to work out a trade right now if somebody wants to, you know, pick him up, right? So um there is that option. I'll be curious to see if anybody does want to pick him up. I would think that there might be a couple suitors out there of teams that just always need pitching help. Um 
you know, maybe like the Padres or uh, I'm trying to even think the Yankees was a team that early in the season, but um, you know, there's always going to be teams that want pitching. So I think there's a decent chance. Maybe he gets, you know, traded was during this time period as well, but um, yeah, it's probably a long time coming. Right. Um, we just, uh, you know, we continue to joke about Chris Flex and ZRA for so long and um, you know, that's just the way it goes. But I think with the ad, with the, like Ty Adcock coming on, like he has and looking pretty decent, I think he's a pretty good option out of the bullpen, better option than Chris Flexen, obviously. So I think that gave them confidence that they could, uh, they could let old Chris go. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, whether that, you know, he ends up in Tacoma, you know, it's probably not a big chance, but, uh, or he gets traded you know, I just, I wish Chris well. Um, I think it was two years ago. He was voted by the Seattle BBWA to be the Mariners' most valuable pitcher. Um, you know, he ate up a lot of innings and had a lot of good starts. And it just it sucks to see it in this way, you know. But uh, baseball is not only a game, it's a business. And, you know, I think this is the first of many moves that could happen that uh, that we see people get DFA'd, you know. There's still a lot of people on the chopping block, I think especially with how uh, the season has gone so far. You know, you brought up the Yankees there who, who needs pitching help. And this is a, it's, it's a, it's kind of a Mariners note because it was the last person to do it significantly was a Mariner. The last night, Domingo Herman, who, if you remember a few weeks ago when the, we played the Yankees got shelled by the Mariners. He threw a perfect game last night. Uh, Wednesday night. Um, you know, it wouldn't technically be last night because we're giving you this episode on Friday, but um it stinks because the last perfect game thrown in the MLB was Felix against the Rays on, in 2012. And um I think it was Shannon Dreyer put it best on Twitter. She posted, I was hoping to at least not see a perfect game until August. Because I think it would have been really cool, you know, with the Mariners retiring Felix's jersey, if he was the last pitcher to throw a perfect game at that point. And of course, it had to be a Yankee that totally wrecks that. Yeah, it was uh, it was unfortunate to see. I didn't really, I wasn't following it super closely. I would, you mean, I checked the app app and saw there was something going on, but I, I think most recently with perfect games, I'm like, eh, it's not gonna, you know, it's gonna, somebody's going to get a hit or he's going to give up a walk or something, especially as it was Domingo Herman, who, yeah, his last two outings, he was absolutely shelled. I think he had 15 earned runs in his last two starts combined. So like, it's like, ah, eh, he's going to walk somebody or there'll be an air somewhere. Or something's going to happen. But, um, yeah, I think for, yeah, I think it's, uh, the the fact that he was the last one and i know that when i went to go see eggers hall of fame ceremony in 2019 right they they show clips at the hall of fame right of just famous moments throughout baseball and what have you and um you know there were a lot of mariner fans in town for egger right and like the one of the moments that kept playing on one of the the you know the clip like little screens that they have in like one of the hallways there was just felix's perfect game over and over again because the mariner fans kept requesting it they kept requesting it to like do that same clip over and over again of felix's perfect game so it like lives on in a very important part of mariners history of almost history that we didn't really have at all like over the last 10 years right so yeah. like it's a very important moment for us so it's uh it's uh sad to see that 
go, I guess. But, uh, you know, we'll still always have that, right? It's still only one of 24 perfect games in baseball. So, um, yeah, unfortunate that it kind of happened. I think, you know, at the timing that it did, but we're always still, we'll always still have it. It's always still going to be with us. So, yeah. 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 Um, you know, I, I saw a lot of talk on Twitter about it and, uh, you know, just as the, the question is, you know, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around, does someone, does it make sound? And, and the joke was, you know, on baseball Twitter last night was, um, if Domingo Hormon throws a perfect game against the A's, does that count? Does that actually count? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, Philip Humber threw a perfect game against the Mariners in 2012, and Mariners weren't that good in 2012. So does that one count? I mean, let's be, let's not count that one if we're not going to count this one. But you know what? I digress. Um, yeah, no, it's fair. And I like there was like what there was couple thousand people there to watch it of the 12 of the quote unquote 12,000 that they said was there to attend it. So it does, if nobody was there to watch it, does it count either? Can we just erase it from the history? Yeah. Oh, you, you got me laughing and you got me laughing before we go into this Mariners national series. I, I had very, very high hopes for this series. Um, <laughs> we, we talked about it on the last podcast. They had to go in. And they had to get a sweep. We've got the Rays coming to town. And honestly, you look back at it, it should have been at least two, you know, they should have won two of the three games. But uh, that didn't happen. Let's start with Monday's game. At least we'll have a little bit of positivity to talk about. Luis Castillo took the bump for the Mariners on Monday's game and ended up helping the Mariners to an 8-4 victory. Um... Luis Castillo looked pretty, pretty decent. Um, he, he brought his walks back down. You know, he's had four or five, six walks, you know, the last couple starts. He only had one on Monday night. Um, he picked up the win, went seven strong, gave up seven hits. Uh, three runs came across the plate. Only two, two of them were earned, and he had seven Ks. He did give up a couple home runs, uh, including one uh, by Lane Thomas to lead off the game. But overall, you know, after struggling kind of the first three innings, he, he settled in and gave a pretty decent performance. I, it was a quality start, so. Uh, quality start, yeah. I think one of his only – there was three runs, but I think only two of them were earned. So, um, yeah, I still – you know, I'll still say, he like, in those first couple innings, still didn't quite look like himself, like you said. Um, the ERA is under three, so that's good. But, like, still didn't – the fastball, I think, is still – I mean, the fastball is Luis's pitch, right? He's used it more. He's moved it more this year than compared to last year. He's really relying upon it. Um, you know, he still threw, I think, 17 whiffs in this game. So, like, there's still a lot of good there. I think he, you know, some of those first kind of things that he gave up, in the, I think he gave up to Lane Thomas, and then I think he gave up another one. Was it to, I think, Dominic Smith, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, I think, and then was it the next inning or the inning after that? But yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, he's still kind of, I think, leaving a couple mistakes there, right? Um, but, you know, uh, the fastball has been Luis's pitch, and it's kind of been a little inconsistent at times, and then I th- calmed down, I think, a little bit more as this game went along. But, uh, yeah, I think there's still things for Luis to work on even after this game. I think he just got to gotta probably put that, um, you know, fastball, I think, in a better location at some points. But I'd also like to see him kind of try the two-seamer a little bit more. So, 
Um, but I think regardless, still settled in, you know, ERA under three. I think he's trending towards the all-star game at this point. I think he'll get the Saturday. And then I think the all-star r- rosters are released Sunday, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. I think he's trending towards it. Um, and, uh, you know, I think uh, this game probably adds to that. And especially with the ERA being under three, um, getting the win in this game, I think he'll, 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 that solidifies it almost for me at this point. Yeah. I'm kind of trending that way too. Um, you know, it, it stinks that Kirby keeps getting Felixed. Um, you know, I, I still want Kirby to be that pick, but, um, I think you're right. I think Luis is probably the Mariners all-star at this point. Um, I'd like to say that if he had more innings, Munoz probably would have got it. I mean, um, he came in after Luis in the eighth inning. He did walk someone, but struck out two. His ERA is still zeros. You know, um, I don't know if you could look it up. I'd, I'd really be interested in his whip this season because I, I don't have whip on here. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. And then the ninth inning, Sacedo came in. Um, they had a big lead. And he, he gave up a, a run on three hits, um, had a base on balls and a K. He ended up getting pulled with two outs in the ninth. And then Seawald came in and, and got his 14th save of the se- season, um, saw one batter and struck him out. So overall, um, kind of outside of Sacedo, pretty decent performance by all on the pitching side. Um, did, did you find his whip? Were you able to? Uh, sorry, I have not still working on it. Keep, keep talking. I'll get back to it. Yep. <laughs> well, while he's finding that we'll move on to the offense offensively. Um, pretty, uh, pretty solid game. Mariners had 12 hits. Um, JP Crawford looked really good. Two for three, two runs, uh, RBI. He had two base on balls. His, his average is about 245 now looking pretty good. Uh, Julio went three for four uh run in an RBI had one base on ball 1k um Mike Ford sitting at the bottom of the lineup hitting eighth uh two for four had a uh couple runs uh RBI a k he's um you know trending upwards a little bit um you know everyone but I think it was Cal got a hit in Monday's game so overall offensively pretty balanced um, you know, Cal went 0 for 5, didn't strike out a lot, struck out once, um, you know, but, um, you know, good offensive performance. Uh, Julio had, or not Julio, JP had a home run in the first inning. Gino had a home run in the fourth inning, both off uh, starting pitcher for the Nats, Williams. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different Mariners had RBIs, sharing the love there. Um Team runners in scoring position, three for 13, uh, left on base, nine. Julio had a, eight, his 18th stolen base. And Kelnick, excuse me, had his 10th stolen base. I don't know if you saw his stolen base, Bo. Kelnick's stolen base. Um, man, what kind of wizardry was that? I mean, he was safe, but he slid so far past the bag and his hand stayed on the whole time, which was very impressive. It was a very, yeah, very pretty, very pretty stolen base on that. I think Kelnick had a one later in the series too, where he snuck in at home plate too. So Jared, Jared's uh, base running in this series was, was pretty good for the most part, but yeah, no, that was, uh, that was pretty, that was pretty, yeah, like the camera angles and the fact they're able to get that and able to turn it over so quickly was, uh, was pretty nice, but yeah, very, very good, very good, very good, uh, um, 
slide from Jared there. So sorry, that's the last point. Luis Castillo, 1.06 whip right now, lowest of his career. Continue with Jared. Go. Oh, no, no, no. You you got to find Munoz now. got to find Munoz. Uh, find uh, Munoz uh, for uh, me. Uh, why, click, why, click, I'm, click, why I'm going for it here. <laughs> um, yeah, Kelnick, uh, I, I don't know if you also saw, though. They overplayed his walk-up music. They played it just in that inning like five times. I think, no, it was four times. They played it when he came to bat. They played when he stole the base. They played it during the replay, and then they stole it after it was overturned or something. So four times in the inning. I know the broadcasters were laughing about it. I think Rick Riz even at one point was singing it on the radio, which was movie perfecto. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, good to see something positive come out of this series, and it was definitely in the first game. So uh, before moving to game two, did did you find it? Uh, Menunos has a 0.818 whip right now. The also the currently the lowest of his career. There yeah. you go. Hey, it's under one. That's... Andres Munoz is only 24 years old. I don't know why he, I think him. I don't know why I think he's so much older, but it's just wild to me that he's only 24 years old. So he's, he's so young. He's a youngin, and he can throw 103 sometimes. Mm-hmm. Makes makes you wonder what we're doing with our life, though, right? I uh, yeah yeah. There you go. <laughs> Moving on to Tuesday's game, um, you put in the game notes that um, this was probably, to you, the most disappointing loss of the season. And if it wasn't for Wednesday's game, I'd probably agree with you. Um, The Mariners had so many chances to pull away, um, so many chances to win it. And when you go 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position and leave nine runners on, yet only lose the game by three runs like what are we doing like why why hasn't why hasn't the hitting coach or the hitting it's not even really the hitting coach it's the hitting group you know why why aren't they answering for this at this point yeah i i can tell you i can tell you i think it's come to a point where um Somebody, I mean, I think, yo, I think Jerry and team, I think Jerry has said that, you know, he takes responsibility. I think Scott and the team take responsibility, but, um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you heard after this game, right. Cal Raleigh taking a little responsibility, which I think was, um, the right act and the right thing for him to say. But, um, this is, uh, this is embarrassing, right. To have the bases loaded like you did at the end of this game. And the chances that you had with the players that you had at the plate, right? The three best players that you're three, four, five hitters, right? Maybe not your three best, but three of your core hitters on this team um, that commit the noble tiger, easily scorable run, right? Like just the, the fact that we weren't able to just push that over the fact that we just assumed somebody was going to get a hit. The fact that we just assumed that one of these guys was just going to limp right in there and do it. It just, it's, it, it reeks. I don't know. It just reeks of, not maybe a just like a lack of just discipline, right? It lacks like just the the discipline of a major league baseball player to say like we're just going to score this run, we're just going to do a little hit here, right? We're just going to get something in the air and get a sack fly for all. I mean, that's all we needed, right? It was a little bit of something, and I couldn't even tell you. I was I was so mad at watching this one of like all the different things that went through. I think it was like I think Ty popped up like 
all the different things that were going. I was just like, I knew that they were just going to end this inning without scoring runs. Right. But I just, I just mm-hmm. don't know why I knew that. But it just, it just felt that way. The way that this game was going, just like the lack of just wanting to win this game, and it just seemed like we were going to lose this game. And even with the bases loaded, did not feel confident whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I was in the same boat watching it. Um, I was actually watching it in bed, wanting to go to bed because. I'm an hour ahead of you. I'm in the mountain time zone and it was 1130. You know, I had to be up at six in the morning. So I'm sitting there going, I want them to score. And then they load up the bases and I go, wouldn't it just be, you know, so funny if they didn't score and they go on to the next inning and it happened. It legitimately happened. And I was bummed is like a very big understatement because this game should have been won way before that. You know, there, it, it wasn't just offense, you know, that the Ty France, Teo and Cal, the three, four, five hitters accounted for five of our seven hits. I can't place much of the blame on them because of what led up to it. You know, you had outside of those guys, two hits, one by Gino, one by Mike Ford. Okay. Where's the offense there? That's kind of been the story of the season. Okay. You got Seawald coming in in the eighth and gives up a home run, a game-tying home run. Why Why are we bringing him into the eighth? I, I don't know, but maybe that should have been Munoz. Munoz came in in the ninth, <laughs> went one inning and struck out two. His ERA is still zero. Why didn't we bring him in in the eighth? So I'm. Uh, let me ask you this. I, I Do you feel like, and I'm not trying to place blame here, but like, I get a feeling that Scott is trying almost everything at this point or Scott's. I don't want to call I almost want to say over trying. Like I get it. I get a feeling that he is just, he's doing almost anything and everything to see what works. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I just, the, um, you know, I think you're talking about a pinch hit for Tom Murphy at this last game on Wednesday, putting Seawald in the, putting Seawald in the eighth inning here. You know, how many different lineup, how many different lineup combinations have we seen this year? Right. Like, I just think that Scott is trying a lot. Right. And I don't know if any of it's helping. I don't know if any of it's hurting. But um, yeah, I thought Seawald in the eighth was kind of confusing, I guess. I think he's only pitched. Yeah. Like, including this game, he's only pitched three innings in the eighth inning the whole entire year. Mm-hmm. And it was a little puzzling to me why that happened. I didn't really, you know hated at first because like i think munoz you're a big fan of munoz i think maybe mm-hmm. coming in in the ninth right so like maybe there is that thought to it but it was a little puzzling to me of just why we did it that way and what what the, what the end game was i i think scott's got to take some of the blame i'm getting I don't, I don't know about you bo i'm getting really tired of seeing and i know he wants to play the matchups okay you got a righty on the hill you want to see a lefty vice versa you got a lefty on the hill you want to see a righty you know whatever but like, why are you pinch hitting Dylan Moore, you know, for, or I guess he was a pinch runner, but you pinch hit or pinch run for Mike Ford. And then you don't see Mike Ford the rest of the game. I'm pretty sure Dylan Moore's two at bats. The rest of the game was, was against righties, you know? So I don't know. We're seeing a lot of that. He's, he's, I don't know. He's trying a lot of stuff and I think he's got to take some of the blame, you know, some of it's got to be on the players too. It really does. Seven hits and five of them come from your three, four, and five hitters. You know, it shouldn't just all be on the players too. Every single coach in that dugout. Like the hitting coaches need to answer what's going on. 
that's just my my opinion. I, I don't know, man. I, how do you fix this team? If you ask me how to fix this team, I honestly would say I don't know at this point. I really don't because we're just underperforming. Uh, we're underperforming and there's plenty of blame to go around, right? Like if you're, mm-hmm. there's no single source of failure for any of this, right? Like mm-hmm. maybe you can point to, um, you know, Jerry and team, like they, they, they kind of doubled down on some of their depth this off season, right? They re-signed Dylan Moore. They gave Dylan Moore a lot of money and or at least money, at least money for a bench player. Right. And the bench has kind of become, I don't want to say depleted, but like, Mm-hmm. Your bench, you're, you don't want to use Dylan Moore right now. Dylan Moore looks like he's just not really, I don't know. Dylan Moore looks like he needs more time. That's really what Dylan Moore, I don't think Dylan Moore had a spring training. I just don't think Dylan Moore is with it right now. You can't really use AJ Pollock, right? Um, mm-hmm. Colton Wong gets a start every so often, get a couple more starts now, but like you don't really have much of a bench. So like maybe some of the roster construction, just like that plan of it was to, so, some blame for some of this, but you also have a lot of talent, right? Like Cal Raleigh, Julio Rodriguez, Teoscar Hernandez. Like these are good ball players, right? That just haven't, I think, performed to where they want to, right? And where we all of us want them to be. So there's plenty of blame to go around for, I think, the players, the coaches, the front office, all of it together, I think, is kind of where we've kind of, kind of coalesced together, right? So it, it, it seems like it's just certain parts of everyone's game that, that is just struggling. Like Cal Raleigh right now is not hitting well. He's hitting, well, after Tuesday's game, his his batting average was up to two twenty seven, but Cal Raleigh sitting behind the plate is calling amazing games. You know he there's a reason he started. I think it's like fifty one of seventy, um, games this season because he calls such a good game. He's a really good defensive catcher. You know he's kind of almost like Mike Zanino in that in that factor. Mike Zanino was a very good defensive catcher and hit for power. Didn't really hit for average, you know, but for what he brings defensively, like he should be in the run for the running for the gold glove at catcher. We saw last year, Jose Trevino win a platinum glove, best fielder Mm -hmm. in the AL. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility for Cal, you know, but what we're seeing is he's not being very offensively productive. It's not helping us win ball games, you know. Um, Julio's just underperforming, you know, at the plate. Teo's finally turning it around, but after I don't know how many games I've seen him in the outfield, I think he's to blame for some of the runs, you know, when the ball hit out to right. You know, he's not playing great defensively. <laughs> you know, Gino's yeah. playing good defense at third. He's not hitting well. I mean. I mean, a lot of it comes back around to hitting because that's what's going to help win you ball games, you know. So, I mean, these are these are good ball players. We're just in a rough situation right now. In very rough situation, um, and uh, yeah, I um, there's there's also a thought in my mind of like it's a very rough situation. I think we all put a lot of expectations on this team. I think the players put a lot of expectations on themselves, especially after last year. I think they they bought into some of the talk that the way that we ended the series last year against the Astros, there was talk of, Oh, the Mariners look like the second best team in the AL. There was real talk about that, right? Like just mm-hmm. the way that we played and the way that the Yankees ended up losing a series against the Astros. And I think they bought into that. And um, I don't know. I'll be the guy to kind of bring this down a little bit, but I pulled up baseball prospectus because I was thinking about this like before the season, right? Baseball prospectus had their, um, you know, they had their, 
team previews before the season. And, um, you know, I think maybe I brushed them off a little bit. I think a lot of people brushed up a lot of the projections that were out there this year, but like, I'm just going to read this verbatim that for verbatim, right. And get your reaction to it. But this is written on March 23rd. Right. Mm-hmm. And it says the Seattle Mariners are as a concept exhausting. They're the post ironic baseball team. The one that's constantly telling you how to feel, even as you're just trying to watch it like high fidelity, but with prospects instead of indie bands. Caring about the Seattle Mariners requires a level of faith that is both unearned and unassailable. It's impossible to tackle the roster in an exercise like this, making the you know the preview, right? Mm-hmm. Like observing a particle under an electronic microscope. You can't just deconstruct them without messing with the vibes. This team is so thoughtfully, thoroughly, meticulously crafted and deeply flawed. It contains almost zero redundancy, and the myriad trades that built it up have left the team with few understudies and little capital to spend at the deadline. Everything has to work exactly according to plan, but also it just did last year, so why wouldn't it again? It all sounds perfectly reasonably logic, unless you've played roulette once. I think this goes to say that we were there were signs before the season that we had holes and gaps, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I know it's easy to say that we've been mentally tough we've been mentally taxed this year we're not playing well but like also a lot of people were telling us that we were not as good as a lot of people intended us to be and maybe we should have listened to those i think a little bit more before the season i i I tend to agree with you there um i i think we when we saw that come out you know we probably saw that you know when it came out but then we didn't really start talking to about it you know until obviously we were doing probably like our AL preview. Um, but I, I think I remember you kind of hammering that and laughing at it. I, at one point you said you hated baseball perspectives for that, but it, hates a strong, hates a strong word. Hates a strong word. Strong the way that base, them. the way that baseball perspectives kind of calculate some things leaves a lot to desire for like players like Julio and a couple others. So hates a very strong word, still like baseball perspectives. And obviously I think my, my, you know, my uh, I'm giving them a little bit more credit now, obviously, mm-hmm. just I think that they they seem to have kind of hit it right on the put hit it right on the head. Right. Like they think they knew. I think that it was clear that this team maybe wasn't as talented as, you know, it was thought to be. And I think we are we are firmly feeling the uh, the effects of that now. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny you bring that up for game two of this series, because I think game three was worse. Close out game two real quickly. Brian Wu had a pretty good start. You know, he was probably, I would say, probably one of the big positives of the game. He went only five innings because he's still kind of under an innings limit. He's probably going to be under an innings limit. I could see him getting moved to the bullpen later in the season just so he's not going over, you know, this is the most innings he's ever pitched, not going over a certain amount of innings. But he went five innings on Tuesday night, six hits, um, two runs, only one of them was earned. Only had one base on balls, but seven Ks. His ERA after starting very, very high with getting shelled in Texas is now sitting about 437, you know, which I think is a very, very big way to come back and uh, show that you, you might belong in this rotation. Um, like I said, it could end up with him in the bullpen. You never know. Um, you could see him get you know, push back down to double A or triple A. You could see get him, him getting traded, honestly. You know, one of this, we were just talking about the offense. One of the things that needs to happen is we need to get some offense. Brian Wu could probably net us a 
pretty decent hitter. I mean, you'll be part of a package if it happens, but, you know, Brian Wu's just showing that he is kind of the pitcher that Jerry talked about, talked up a little bit, you know, in the, uh, in spring training. 100%. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm, I think Brian Wu's trade value and like his um, attractiveness as a trade asset is pretty high. Actually. I think that especially with these last couple starts, what he did in the minors. Um, yeah. In terms of trade value, I think it's pretty high for Brian Wu, right? Um, mm-hmm. Probably maybe on par or pretty close to Bryce Miller, I would say almost actually. So um, <clears throat> yeah, could be, uh, you know, I don't think the, I don't think we probably have a good idea. I don't think really anybody does what the Mariners are going to kind of do at the deadline right now. Um, but uh, I think pitcher is probably on the move at some point. I think it's inevitable that somebody's going to have to move. Like we don't have, we're not going to sign. We're not going to sign Matt Chapman. We're not going to sign Shohei Otani, right? In the off season, like I just don't think it's going to happen. I just think that we're going to like in order for us to get better, we're going to have to. It's the, it's the reality of like the Brewers and the Rays. They trade have to trade their players in order to get new players. The Mariners are part of that as well, right? Like we're going to have to trade some of our strengths in order to get, like address weaknesses, and that's just the way that I think it's going to have to go with Mariner baseball. So Brian was certainly part of that, but I think coming back to this game, sorry got off on a tangent very mm-hmm. positive game from brian Wu. Mm-hmm. um i think he had the <laughs> there was this game where i think he overthrew ty at first and then uh was a candelario kind of made it to third on the pickoff throw which i think well no he he made it all the way home he came all the way around that's right that's yeah. right yeah but um yeah you wish ty and maybe Teo had a little more urgency on that but um yeah ty, anyways, ty looked like he was uh jogging out yeah. to the ball so yes yeah. yes but anyways, um, you know, uh, blemish on otherwise good start for for Brian Wu um, in this game. And, uh, you know, happy to see it for him. Yep. Yeah. It, it's funny you brought up last episode um, how you think Matt Brash, every time he inherits a runner, um, it ends up scoring because it happened in this game. Um, Gabe Spire put a runner on, kind of kind of looked a little frustrated. Um, and Matt Brash got brought in. And walked a couple people, gave up, uh, gave up a run, which was kind of wild. Yeah, not so, not a great, not a great bullpen day, not a no. great bullpen day at all. No, yep. I mean the only other besides me, yeah. Well, I would say Topa had a pretty positive day. He did walk one, but struck out one, yeah. didn't give up any runs, didn't give up any hits. Topa had a good day, and then Trevor Gott, who just came off the IL, took the loss because he gave up three runs, two of them earned in the. 11th inning so that was tuesday's game that was probably bo's most disappointing loss of the season now we're on to what i think is the most disappointing loss of the season in wednesday and i you know i'll just explain it to you i think this was the most disappointing loss because patrick corbin since the nationals won the world series has looked like trash he has been one of the worst pitchers in the game, and the Nationals, the only reason they really couldn't unload him was because of his contract. You know, he's he's got a really high contract because he came in, helped them win a World Series, he got rewarded, and kind of rewarded them by taking a big dump on their bed. Now, with all that being said, with the Mariners really making mediocre pitchers look great, Corbin came in. This was Corbin's stat line. This was Corbin's stat line for the game. Corbin went seven innings, 
only gave up five hits, K'd nine players, which is, why are we striking out nine times of Patrick Corbin? And he didn't give up any runs, didn't give up anything. You know, like, <laughs> Caballero hit one home run, and that was in the eighth inning off of Willingham, one of their relievers. And that was the only offense of the game. Ryan Divish tweeted on Twitter after the game, this was two hours and 25 minutes of baseball, of bad baseball you can't get back in your life. Honestly, I completely agree with it. It was a slog to watch on TV. It was a slog to listen to on radio. And it's got to invoke some change in this Mariners, you know, team. Like, like this is rock bottom if we've had it at all this season. This is rock bottom, especially with the best team in the AL and potentially the best team in the major leagues and the Rays come into town on Thursday. Preach, man. No, I, I, I just want to, I just wanted you to keep going. That sermon was, that, that was a beautiful sermon and monologue that you just gave there. That was, that was very good on Patrick Corman. Um, Thank you. No, I, uh, I a hundred percent agree. I, um, this was, uh, I mean, I mean, is it really matter which one is the worst loss? Um, let's just call it the worst series of Mariner baseball that we've had. Um, I, I think uh, we can both agree that the nationals are probably the third coming into this series are probably the third worst team in the major leagues. You've got Oakland in front of them and you've got the Rays. Now credit to Washington because they play in probably the toughest division in baseball right now. One of the toughest, you can't really say the Mets are doing anything, but you've got the Braves in the NL East you know, the Maryland Marlins are kind of fluttering here or there, you know, but that's a pretty good division for baseball. So you're playing in the one of the toughest divisions in baseball, but they were probably the third worst team in the league. And we made them look like they were top two in the NL East right now. So, yeah. And it's important to know we, we had their three, four, five pitchers too. We didn't get, we didn't see Mackenzie Gore. We didn't see Josiah Gray in this series. Like we didn't see the best of the nationals whatsoever. Right. And we just looked like similar teams in this series and this game in particular, right. It just looked like, um, we got a little bit behind and that was the ball game, right. Get a little bit behind. Um, and that's really it. That's really it with the Mariners. It just seemed like, um, this was just a game that you could have stopped watching after the first half inning because it just, you had a feeling just like the end of the, just, I don't know if it was just an eke over from the game the, the night before, but it just felt like, yeah, we weren't going to try to win this game. Um, and, you know, credit to Tom Murphy for having three hits in this game. Seemed like the only person that maybe wanted to play today on that game on Wednesday, but um, yeah, that just, nobody wants to play this game right now and nobody wanted to, I think, continue with the series. They just wanted it to be over. And, um, I don't really know. I don't really know, man. It's, um, it's disappointing to see. It's just like, and I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, you know, you know me, I'm not big on the, I'm not a, I'm more of a, I need to quantify something in order for my brain to connect to it. Right. So like whenever I hear the team chemistry and like the lack of leadership and all that, and what have you, I I never really buy into it too much. Right. But maybe there is some, maybe I'll give some credence to it this time around that maybe there's just something missing from that team that they haven't had the last couple of years, but it just, uh, something's missing. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know if it's a true leader in the clubhouse, even though I don't really know, you know, 
how much they would really get there. I don't know if it's Jared DeHart and Tony Arnerich just aren't connecting with their guys. I don't know what it is, right? But something seems to be missing. The team looks dejected. We just don't look like we want to play baseball right now. And I don't know if it's because we're so far behind the Rangers. The Rangers have come out of nowhere, it seems like. Um, You know, the Angels are kind of surging and it just seems like an insurmountable task to like even get yourself back up in the wild card. But um, we just don't have it. We just don't have it. We're not a playoff team. We're not going to make the playoffs. We've taken considerable steps back from what we were last year. We took three steps forward and like six steps back. And it is incredibly disappointing to watch now kind of where we've gotten to at this point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's funny because I'm never one to I don't I don't like booing teams I root for. I, I really don't, you know. I boo you know, if I go to the game, I boo bad calls. I boo the other team. But I think it was completely warranted the moment Cal struck out and the game ended on Wednesday that everyone was booing. They they don't like the product that the Mariners are bringing to the table right now. Again, like we said earlier in the episode, it could be the fact that our expectations were so high. You know, it could be that we were building ourselves up for failure at this point. You know, there, there was a lot of signs in the offseason that they weren't really building the roster to win, you know, and it it just sucks to say because, you know, I, I think like any Mariners fan, we want to make the playoffs. We want, we're the only team to never make the World Series. We want that for our team. You know, we're, we're passionate, you know. We, <laughs> I I think we've got a very good fan base and base or fan base for this baseball team, and you know we're not getting rewarded with what is it six playoff or five playoff appearances in forty six years, twenty managers in forty six years, like yeah. you know we're just if you I know you've watched it you've watched the Mariners documentary on on youtube by uh help me out here Um, john boy john is it john boy was it john boy no it wasn't john boy it was um oh i can't was it foolish baseball no it's it's john boy it's uh not john boy not j-o-m-b-o-y it's john boy j-o-m-b-o-i-s oh john right 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 john sorry john boy Yeah. yeah okay yeah I, I feel like this is just another chapter, you know, after 95, you know, they, they got to the ALCS and they, you know, sky high expectations and they had one of the best offensive offenses in baseball in 96 and 97 and completely, you know, crapped in our bed here. You know, like, I feel like this is just another chapter that we're watching. It feels like a, a, a cycle, you know, the definition of insanity is, you know, watching something or doing something, expecting a different result. You know, you keep doing it over and over and over. I feel like that's what we're getting. We're almost insane to watch this baseball team. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I um, I think it, I think it gives Jerry and team a lot to think about of just where they want to take this team. Mm-hmm. and what the second half's going to look like, what the trade deadline's going to look like and um I think we I think we are in store for a I don't want to say a drastically looking baseball team in 2024 but um 
something's going to have to change. We're, you know, we read you the baseball perspective stuff. We can only run this back so many times, right? You've only played um, roulette once, right? Like this is, we've, we've hit with this before and it's just, it's crazy to think that we're going to be able to do it again with these same guys if we run this back again in 2024. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I honestly, it's getting to a point where um, I think it's becoming evident that I think this season and I think after these next subsequent three series against the Rays, the Giants, and the Astros is going to be more clear, but 2023 is starting to look like a punt, right? It's just looking like a, this a punt. We're just going to have to just pack it in and hope for better, better, you know, pastures of 2024. But hopefully that means that there's some growth developing. There's some thoughts of different things that we can do to make this team better because um, I think if the writing's on the wall, that something has to change. There has to be some new players. There has to be something different in this batting order in order for anything to change right now. And um, I think that's where we're heading. Um, but uh, you know what? Uh, let's, let's end on a happy note. All-star game coming up a couple weeks. Things are, things are going to be awesome there. We're going to pitch to We're going to see Luis pitch probably and the whole work. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are too. And um, I think it'll be a good sign for the Mariners. A good, a good sign for the city, I would say. So some positivity there, but um, I think after that, um, you know, it'll be more uh, back to the nut grindstone for the Mariners and, you know, where they want to take this baseball team in the future. So, yep. Yep. And I'm going to have, I'm going to have hope like I always do in the second half of the season. You know, I'm going to hope they can pull their heads out of their butts and, and do it. Um, I think it was the Braves last year went into the all-star break under 500. They ended up winning a hundred games. So, um, at least they were under 500 within their first 55, 60 games. So don't necessarily quote me on that, but, uh, you know, certainly want to turn it around a little bit. Did you see that the all-star announce, uh, starters were already announced? Those came through. Uh, I did not see the starters. No. All right. Where was, so, yeah. So AL starters, catcher Jonah Heim. You know what? Well-deserved. You're looking pretty good. First base, Yandy Diaz. Second base, Marcus Simeon. Third base, Josh Young. Shortstop, Corey Seager. So basically the the Rangers uh, whole infield minus Yandy Diaz. Outfield, Mike Trout, Randy Arozarena, and Aaron Judge. And DH, Shohei Otani. Heck of a heck of a lineup there. Uh, NL lineup: catcher Sean Murphy, first baseman Freddie Freeman, second base Luis Arias, 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 what however you say his name. Third base Nolan Arenado, shortstop Orlando Arcia, outfield uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Corbin Carroll, Corbin Carroll, Washington guy. You know, good to be good to see him make the All Star game in Washington. And uh, DH, J.D. Martinez. So those are your all-star starters. Uh, I know that's not Mariners related. We will see what uh, what happens, you know, with the Mariners. Who's going to be representing them? Um, I, I do want to note that we are not finishing Wednesday's game. There wasn't a lot of positive, unless you want to see Tom Murphy going three for three and him and Jose Caballero accounting for five of the six hits. Good on them in a bad game. And Ty Adcock, you looked pretty good. Serviceable reliever, but Logan Gilbert didn't do well and the rest of the team didn't do well. So I don't think we need to talk much about the Wednesday game at all. So um, 
Bo, we've got we got the Rays coming in, and I mean, I I don't want to see things are going to get worse, but we're seeing at least two really good pitchers come in and and play uh, against the Mariners this uh, week. Game one is Bryce Miller versus Shane McClanahan. Shane McClanahan's really good, really. You know, until he kind of fumbled at the end of the season last season, probably had Cy Young locked up in the first, I'd say, 70% of the season last year. Um, game two is George Kirby versus Tyler Glasnow. Glasnow, um, if he didn't have such a glass arm, would probably be in the running for Cy Young every year. He's that good. And then uh, the game on 7-2. Are we missing a game? Is this only a three-game series? uh sorry let me pull it up here it is only three game series yep so <clears throat> we go to we go to san francisco on monday do they have sunday off uh no we don't have it this is our oh thursday on thursday this, yeah, is, right, this, right. this is our last off day before <laughs> the all-star break yep. you, you see where my head's at just want to get mm-hmm. to that all-star break that's right uh, okay so sunday's game seven two lopedra luis castillo against taj bradley former um top prospect uh, coming in and getting the start. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. Um, you know, Tampa Bay is famous for doing, uh, not bullpen days, but kind of having an opener and then kind of rolling with the bullpen the rest of the series. But, um, you know, at least with the first two games of this series, Bo, <laughs> it doesn't look promising. Doesn't look promising. And, uh, yeah, there's, uh, things can, um, Things might spiral out of control. I think that's where I'm. I really don't want to speak that into existence because apparently I do that now. Yeah, yeah. But, don't, uh, don't speak that into existence. Uh, but uh, I think it's just. I think you have to mention something that there's a chance that things might, things might start be looking a little rough for the Mariners. I think um, if they go, if if things don't go the right way. However, here's some positive, right? The Mariners did pretty well against the Rays last year, right? Like they did, uh, they ended up taking some good series from them. And I think this Mariner team is probably going to be a team the rest of the year that they're going to end up winning, you know, three out of four against the Rangers or something at some point, but they'll still, you know, win the next or lose the next two series. So they got the way that this Mariner team might go, but um, yeah, I think there's, you know, still some hope, still some positivity that we could probably have with this series anyways, but um <clears throat> Uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it ends up shaking out. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, Bo. Usually we have a draft preview, but I think we're gonna table that for this week. Um, we're running we're running pretty long tonight. I I think we uh we have let our disappointment uh, flow tonight. So uh, before we get out of here, Bo, we got you got anything else before we wrap up? Uh no, nothing else for me. Thanks, Rick. All right. Well, soon, Bo, we'll be together in Seattle watching the all-star game and the home run derby and the futures game. Can't wait for that. And, uh, you know, fans look out for on our social media pages. We might post a little bit from the all-star game, some pictures, stuff like that. So for all our listeners in the Puget Sound Pacific Northwest and beyond, thank you for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast for Bo Chisholm. I'm Rick Clark. And we'll see you guys next week.
Thank you.